I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call them a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the music of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I am your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. And for this episode, which I'm entitling Mail is just a four-letter word, I'm going to do something a little different in that we're just going to do listener feedback. We're not going to be talking about a song this time. Uh, I really want to get caught up on all the wonderful feedback that has come into the show. So I thought, well, let's just get right to it. There'll be some other things we're going to cover afterwards, but let's get right to the feedback. First, we have some iTunes reviews, so let's get right to them. Uh, Gene Hendricks from the Hammer Strikes podcast and the Legends of Superheroes podcast left five-star review. He says, fascinating. I'm not a huge fan of Bob Dylan's music. That sound you hear is Rob Kelly unfriending me on Facebook, but I've always respected his career and creativity. Now Rob Kelly and his various guests are making me appreciate the man even more. I still prefer other music, but my respect for an artist who can successfully reinvent himself so many times knows no bounds. Thank you very much, Gene. Uh, Count Drunkilla, who is uh, a.k.a. Ryan Daly, another member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, says, five stars, a brilliant idea for a podcast. Rob Kelly loves him some Bob Dylan, and his passion shows in this delightful podcast that celebrates Dylan's catalog one song at a time. Each episode of Bob Dylan is a joy to listen to. Kelly brings a knowledge and enthusiasm to the discussions that make you want to hear the next episode as soon as one ends. Seriously, why can't this podcast update hourly? Kelly also features a guest on every episode and allows said guest to choose the song covered on that show. The format works wonders. The conversational style prevents the show from ever becoming too distant and analytical. Instead, it's just friends talking about great music, just like you'd want. Pod, Pod, I keep saying Pod, Pod Dylan is informative and entertaining, but most importantly, every episode will leave you wanting to play that song and revisit the music of this legendary singer-songwriter. Subscribe to this podcast today and enjoy. Thank you so much, Ryan. That's a great review. Mr. B. Redmond says, What Dylan fans have been waiting for? My only complaint is the length. So really, it's a compliment because I'm always left wanting more. Dylan's songs deserve song-by-song treatment, and this is a great format for that. Thank you, Mr. Redmond. And then finally, from Queen0505, just says, Thank you. This is amazing. Love, love, love. My dream is someday someone will want to talk about Oxford Town. Then my life will be complete. Thank you for the podcast. So much fun and informative. Uh, thank you, Queen0505. We will absolutely be getting to Oxford Town at some point. I love that song. All uh, 95 seconds of it. Um, let's get right to the direct feedback, which we got on the site, which is firewaterpodcast.com, where you can either go to the contact page or just leave comments on the episodes themselves. Uh, episode two, which was our sort of really first episode, which we covered on Knocking on Heaven's Door, uh, Dan Budnick says, wonderful opening episode to the podcast. I am a Dylan fan. Uh, he talks about some of the specific songs he'd like to discuss, and then he says, standing aside from that, wonderful job, Rob. Fantastic idea for a podcast. Thank you, Daniel. And uh, for those of you wondering, Dan, of course, will eventually be on this show. Uh, he also left another comment he, uh, when I responded to the fact that uh, uh, that I saw Dylan and Springsteen and Neil Young at a show together once where uh, Neil and Bruce came out as special guests. Daniel responded, I think if my wife and I were at a concert and Dylan, Springsteen, and Neil Young appeared on stage together, my wife would faint dead away. And that would be a shame because there would be no one there to catch me when I faint. Uh, Chris Franklin from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, who does the Supermates podcast with his wife Cindy, Says, nice first couple of episodes. I will admit, I'm not a huge Dylan fan, but I admire the man nonetheless. 
I will also admit I have never seen Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, which is weird because I'm a Western fan. I need to seek this film out ASAP. As a big fan of Johnny Cash and all the artists who orbited him, orbited him in some way, I'm surprised to find out Chris Christopherson is the lead in this film. Oddly enough, he and Dylan have a lot in common. Both are songwriters which have been covered by tons of other artists to varying degrees of success, and both have very dot 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 unique voices. I still like both of their voices, despite Christopherson often being unable to carry a tune in a bucket. Uh, over, over episode three, which was Handle with Care, uh, Diablo Frank from the Rolled Spine uh, Podcast Network says, I'm glad Roy Orbison's final years were so swell. His resurgence began a few years earlier when David Lynch used In Dreams to great effect in Blue Velvet and helped lead into the concert film Roy Orbison and Friends, a black and white night that still turns up during PBS pledge, drives, PBS pledge drives a quarter century on. It says a lot that he was a legend among legends, and I think at least three of these guys will live on through a musical eternity. Alexander Osias uh, comments. He says, Tweeter and the Monkey Man performed by Dylan is his absolute favorite song on that first World Players album. Good choice. They're all good choices, but that's a good choice. Uh, Chris Franklin also chimed in. He says, thanks for pushing Rob into doing this, David. He's talking about uh, Pod Dylan executive producer David Ace Gutierrez. He says, I'm learning something new every episode. Uh, my podcasting life mate, the Irredeemable Shag from the Fire and Water podcast and the new JLI Wahaha podcast, says, Rob, I finished listening to all three episodes of Pod Dylan. I'm so happy you're doing this project. Your joy shines through. Great to hear David and Siskoid on the show, too. With all that said, these two CDs, and he has a picture of the two Wilburys albums, were purchased off the shelf shortly after relief, release, and I've kept them all these years. I don't know music, and I'm not sure if I'll have much more to comment on the remaining Pod Dylan episodes, but I bought these and love them. Thank you very much, Shag. Uh, regarding episode four, which was Not Dark Get with Ryan Daly, uh, Chuck Coletta says, I will admit that I've only ever had a passing interest in Dylan. <laughs> it's, it's like most of the people listening to the show just don't really like Bob Dylan all that much. It's very funny. But I did come to appreciate it more when he had his theme time radio hour on Sirius. My own musical tastes are more in the Sinatra mode. The first concert that my parents to us kids was uh, that my parents allowed us kids to see was uh, see Sammy Davis Jr. Hey, did you ever see sing Dylan sing Dylan sing Restless Farewell at Sinatra's 80th birthday tribute? Supposedly, Old Blue Eyes requested Dylan sing this particular song for him. Uh, yeah, I've seen that. I remember watching it when it aired in the mid '90s, and uh, I had a, a bootleg of it for many years. I think I probably still have it somewhere. It's a, it's really quite beautiful, uh, and it's a very Sinatra-esque song because it's really uh, young Bob Dylan telling his critics to go F themselves, basically, and that seems like a very Sinatra-y uh, sentiment. So, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's really very beautiful. And that photo that circulated uh, from that event where it's Dylan, Sinatra, and Springsteen all in a huddle, that is just uh, unbelievable. You can see these three tit- historically uh, titanic figures all in one shot. Siskoid, uh, also from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, chimed in. A lovely song, Ryan. I'm putting this in my song rotation. But then I've always been a fan of what Rob calls dirges. Um, yeah, not dark yet. Beautiful song. It's a dirge, but it's a beautiful song. Uh, Daniel Budnick chimes in. One of my favorite Dylan songs. Thank you for the discussion. I am jealous of Ryan getting the la di da skybox seat at the show. This is probably my favorite song from Time Out of Mind. When I started listening to Dylan, my favorite songs were the ones that were a bit longer and seemed to consist of endless streams of words, some that made sense, some that didn't, set to catchy melodies. Uh, Diablo Frank chimes in, Siskoid uh, clearly smuggled in a film and water into the first Pod Dylan, but it's interesting that Knockin' on Heaven's Door was used to play out the characters' lives in Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid like the end of their individual show, their closing theme. I don't think that translated to Siskoid's own feelings about his song, but I wonder if Ryan is incl- inclined toward Nart Dark Yet as his funereal march. Is it a song you experience as part of a transitory emotion, 
or is it a song you see as playing leading into or during your end credits? It's a good question, Frank. We'll have to have Ryan on to answer that. Uh, Chris Franklin chimed in uh, regarding Ryan's whole thing about going to that concert but not willing, not willing uh, to sit with his parents. Man, Ryan, total dick move with the parents. Wow. And you got the fancy skybox seats. Karma is a coming, brother. Uh, and he says to me, your plan is working, Kelly. I'm getting more into Dylan. Stay out of my head. Ha, <laughs> Chris, you will send me money. Uh, regarding episode five, which was when you're going to wake up with Professor Alan Middleton, Frank says, uh, I can relate to Dylan's newfound religious conviction and it's later withering away, but I have exactly zero interest in this musical period. Understand. Understandable. Uh, a lot of people feel that way, but uh, as I said on the show, there's a lot of great stuff to be found in there, even if the sentiment doesn't exactly uh, uh, get me. Uh, particularly. Uh, Paul Hicks from the Waiting for Doom podcast said, this episode was a really great surprise. It's not often the spiritual side of my life intersects with the nerdy part. Professor Allen has a terrific approach to gently sharing his faith. Chris Franklin, I wasn't too aware of this period of Dylan until you started started the, sh- until you started the show, Rob. As a huge Johnny Cash fan, I've always found it interesting how he juxtaposed his very sincere beliefs with some of his darker, grungier songs. But I know he played songs like Delia and Cocaine Blues right along with Peace in the Valley and In the Sweet By and By. So it's fascinating to think Dylan put his catalog on hold during this period only to play faith-based songs. Wow! Yeah, that is kind of an amazing thing. Talk about taking it in teeth commercially, but uh, that's Bob. Uh, Regarding episode 6, Lay Lady Lay with Max Romero from its Plastic Man vlog. Chris says, one of my favorite Dylan songs. Interesting that he turned on the song at one point. I've always wondered how artists deal with such songs when the inspiration goes south. Usually they just plug away at them because, hey, it made them a lot of money and the audience expects it. But leave it to Dylan to go the creative route. Yeah, uh, that might have been one route I would have been happy with Bob not to go down, considering (laughs) what he does in that song. But he eventually returned to it in his more romantic period. So uh, that's uh, good for all of us. Uh, Frank says, like Max, I always picture that big bass, big brass bed with the afternoon sun shining through diaphanous drapes. But I also see Dylan singing to the period singer Melanie on that bed, whose cover I think is on her greatest hits album. Frank commented on episode seven, which was "Where Are You Tonight?" Journey through dark heat. I did with John Glenn. He says, "You guys painted the portrait of an intriguingly grim song that I wanted to listen to, and then it started playing, and I was like, what the hell is this?'" I don't know, Frank. You should keep keep trying. I think it's a wonderful song. Alexandro Osaya says, not familiar with the song, giving it a few listens to see if it grows on me. Report back, Alex. I, I really want to know. I, like I said, John and I absolutely think it's one of our, one of our favorites. So uh, it'll be interesting if we can convince, not convince, if we can introduce it to other people. Uh, regarding episode eight, which was a Dirty World with John Trumbull, Chris Franklin says, front episode, I had no idea that Prince had even a tangential connection to the Wilburys. And I had no idea where the name came from. You learn something new every day. And then he commented on episode nine, Absolutely Sweet Marie, that I did with Will Stegman. He says, when you guys were talking about the line to live outside the law, it kept gnawing at me that I knew that from somewhere else. Then, bam, as soon as you mentioned Batman and the Outsiders, I could just see that ad in my mind's eye. Between Mike W. Barr and Roy Thomas around the time, us youngins got some cultural training while reading funny books. Yeah, it's true enough. It, it, it is, it's stuff like that, that, that using of the Absolutely Sweet Marie line in the Batman and the Outsiders ad that really was part of the inspiration for doing this show because, you know, I didn't discover Dylan until I was 19 or 20, but I'd been reading comic books for 15 years up to that point. And there was all the sorts of, all sorts of references to Dylan in my life that I never knew were references because I didn't know about the guy. Then I go and he listen to the songs and go, oh, that's where that's from. So it's really been kind of a wonderful um, cultural discovery of finding all these things in, in TV shows and songs and comic books that I never knew were actually references to anything. So over on Twitter, which is 
pod underscore Dylan. We have a couple of really nice comments. Principal Boove uh, says, uh, if they ever did Oxford Town, I could die happy. I'm going to assume that's the same person who left the comment on iTunes. Or we have two massive Oxford, Oxford Town fans. Uh, as I said, I'm going to get to it because I love that song. Uh, Matt B. Redmond, who I assume is the same Mr. Redmond from the iTunes comments. He says, seriously, this podcast is great. Thanks for doing it. Thank you, Matt. And Josh Hunt uh, over on Twitter, Josh Hunt 77 says, just found the pod Dylan. It's so great. I've always hoped someone would start an all Dylan pod. So thank you very much, guys. Thank you for the comments. I really appreciate it. I got a nice email from Patrick Butler, and he says, hi, Rob. Thanks for the Dylan podcast. I'm a massive fan, having seen Bob close to 25 times, mostly in the 90s, and will be catching him twice this summer here in New England. I'd love to hear some discussions about abandoned love. Why was this left off desire but Joey put on? How he made up I'm Not There on the spot, does that not quali- alone qualify him as a genius? And the themes of faith and death throughout Tempest. Yeah, all of those are good. Uh, as, as I mentioned um, on previous episodes and Ryan mentioned in his iTunes comment, I let the guest choose what song they want to talk about. So if somebody wants to talk about Abandoned Love, happy to do it. That is a great song, and it's even greater when you realize that it was you know left behind. It's uh, never really appeared in anything official other than the Biograph set. And it's a, it's a truly amazing song, so I'd love to talk about it. I'm Not There, ditto, and the themes of Tempest, sure. It's all, it's all up for grabs. And uh, my pal Michael Bradley from the Superman Batman podcast, among other shows, said, Rob, just wanted to drop you a quick note to tell you I'm loving Pod Dylan, a truly fun concept. The episodes have been short and sweet, providing a great look at the song but not belaboring the point. And it's clear you and your guests are having, so far, having a lot of fun, maybe the most important part of all. Very much looking forward to more episodes. So thanks, everybody, for all the comments. I really appreciate it. I know that this show is kind of the odd man out on the Fire and Water Podcast Network because it's not even remotely related to anything else going on. But, uh, you know, I wanted to do it. This was something that when uh, executive producer David A. Gutierrez pitched to me, I kept telling him to leave me alone because I didn't want to add another podcast to my slate. But now that I'm doing it, and I have been enjoying it. So uh, please keep up the commentary. Please leave me the iTunes comments. Uh, I think, as I said before, this is like the only Bob Dylan podcast that's out there. So if this gets lots of reviews, lots of positive reviews, this will this will bubble up to the top in sort of like music shows and stuff, at least how that algorithm works exactly. So... Thanks, everybody, for the comments. Really, really appreciate it, and keep them coming. And as always, if you want to follow the show, you can just go to Twitter. It's uh, pod underscore Dylan, and you can use the contact page over at the Fire and Water uh, Podcast Network, which is firewaterpodcast.com. There's one other thing I wanted to mention before we wrap up is between this episode and the next one, uh, there will be a new Dylan album. Uh, the album Fallen Angels will be out. Comes out supposedly May twentieth. There are two songs that have already been released from it: "All the Way" and "Melancholy Mood." Like uh, the previous album, "Shadows in the Night," this is an all covers album. Uh, I don't know if it's all just Sinatra stuff specifically, but it is an all covers album. Um, I've heard the said I've heard the first two songs and I liked them. Um, I will admit, "Shadows in the Night" is probably like sort of my least favorite thing he's done in the last couple of decades really um not because it's covers it's just because i found that album like almost like a little turgid it was just like the same tempo through the whole thing and i can appreciate uh slow things and and sort of you know trying to set a a particular mood um i think that the mood set in time out of mind is 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 hypnotic but this album shadows and then it just didn't quite do it for me and i haven't really gone back to it the two songs i've heard from fallen angels actually kind of like better they seem a little more a little peppier a little more upbeat so i hope there's kind of more of a yin yang sort of thing on fallen angels but 
in the end, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I love Bob. Uh, he, he means the world to me. His work means the world to me. And I am willing to accept whatever he chooses to offer me. Uh, the man has given us so much for so long that if he just wants to record cover albums for the rest of his life, that's up to him. You know, I, he, he's very much, you can take it or leave it. And um, I would never, ever uh, say, you know, I'd rather not have a Dylan album than, than have a Dylan album. If, he, if he's got 10 more cover albums in him, great. I'd love to hear a whole album of originals uh, too, but whatever he wants to do. So I'm looking forward to Fallen Angels. Um, like I said, what I've heard of it, I seem to like a little better than Shadows in the Night. And I will go back to revisiting Shadows in the Night just to to see how it's aged for me because that's that happens with a lot of Bob stuff. Some stuff I heard first time, it's kind of like, eh. And then I go back to it later and go, wait, that was terrific. So, so like I said, Fallen Angels coming out May 20th. And I guess that is going to be it for this feedback episode. Um, in case some of you are wondering what the hell this title means, mail is a four-letter word. That is my own, my own little riff on a... Um, a Dylan song, of course, called Love is a Four-Letter Word, which apparently he wrote sometime in like 64, 65. He wrote it and handed it off to Joan Baez, who sang it and put it on one of her albums, and it's tremendous. It's, it's a great, great song. And uh, apparently he never had any intention of singing it, and there is no version of Bob singing it. He just wrote it, gave it to Joan Baez, and that was the end of that. I guess he just forgot about it, which is too bad because, like I said, it's an amazing song. So I decided we're going to hear a little bit of it, uh, at the end of this episode, because like I said, it's truly great, and it's just uh, amazing uh, how uh, prolific he was at some points in his life, that he could throw something like this out and just forget about it and never hear it again. So uh, I hope you all come back next week. We'll have another guest. We'll be talking about a specific song. Until then, uh, we're going to let the Queen of Folk take us out. Thanks, everybody. Bye. my mind I cannot cheat It's like looking in a teacher's face complete I can say nothing to you but repeat what I